Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, back to being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight we're continuing our series of towns that I like. And tonight that town is Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And before we get to tonight's topic, let's take a quick spin around the internet. And several more airports are following Tampa by offering on-site COVID testing. And this, I think, is going to become more and more prevalent as we move through the end part of the year. If you're in Alaska, you can visit Ted Stevens, Juneau, or Ketchikan airports for a test. California, you have Oakland as well as San Fran International, Connecticut, Bradley International, Florida, of course, Tampa, Massachusetts is Logan International, Jersey is Newark, and I can only imagine what kind of a cluster that is. If you've never been to Newark, the TSA lines are a disaster. I can only imagine what the COVID testing lines would look like, and of course, JFK as well as LaGuardia for New York. And Vermont is Burlington International Airport. I am still curious if it is the gate agent or the baggage handler that does the administering of the test. Independent.com gives us this one. Have you ever heard of Eve Marie? Well, she was forced to wear a flight attendant's jumper on a Southwest flight to cover up her lewd outfit. Eve was left feeling humiliated on a Southwest Airlines flight after she claims she was asked to cover up her outfit or face being removed from the plane. Eve J. Marie, age 26, was traveling with her seven-year-old son, and she alleges that she was forced to borrow a flight attendant's jumper and then tie it around her for the entirety of the Dallas to Tulsa flight. The model and influencer detailed her experience, of course she did, in a video shared on, what do you think, but social media, saying that she was particularly upset as a frequent flyer that spends, get this, $90,000 a year with the airline. I imagine that it's got to be pretty tough to spend 90 k a year with Southwest, especially if she's taking flights from Dallas to Tulsa. Now, remember a few weeks ago when I was talking about the island of me and the people that live on the island of me are all about them? Well, Eve Marie also lives on the island of me. And of course, Eve Marie wants us to feel bad for her as the article continues. Eve says, I feel like the other women on the plane were judging me based on my attire and they were saying that my breasts were too large. Well, Eve, I've got a feeling that whether you were on the plane, on a ground, in a restaurant, in a store, other women would still judge you. Now, Southwest does have some T's and C's, not T and A, but T's and C's when you fly. goes along the line of engaging in lewd, obscene, or potentially offensive behavior, including wearing clothes that are lewd, obscene, or potentially offensive, is grounds for being removed from the flight. It's somewhere in all that mouse print on the webpage right before you click purchase that you agree to. And I'm curious if, since Eve was wearing a Southwest jumper, hopefully she got an extra bag of pretzels. On to tonight's topic, the towns I like, and tonight that town is Atlanta, Georgia. I've lived in and around the Atlanta area three times in my life, the 60s, 
the 70s and then moved back there in 1990 and stayed right to 2008, 2009. Growing up, we moved a lot. I was born in Dallas, moved to Atlanta. We moved to California. We moved to Maryland. We moved back to Dallas. We moved to Atlanta, moved to Florida. Then I moved from Florida to Atlanta and now back to Florida. I've lived there probably 24, 25 years, probably almost as long as I've lived in Florida over time. Atlanta was the location for my first corporate job. My territory was downtown Atlanta. It was absolutely wonderful. Crisp fall days, sunny, beautiful spring days. It got hot during the summer. It got windy and cold in the winter, but it was a walking territory. I absolutely loved it. You got to know the people in the city. You got to know even where the homeless people were, and you got to say hey to them every single day. There were places like the Forsyth Street Barbershop, this is the throwback to the 50s with the warm towel on your face and the straight edge razor on the back of your neck. There's also a shoe shine uh, booth inside the Georgia Pacific building that I frequented a lot. And speaking of the Georgia Pacific building, that was my parking space. And in 1990, to have a spot in the Georgia Pacific building was $100 a month. Currently, that same spot is $115. So inflation has not hit the Georgia Pacific parking garage yet. Some quick Atlanta facts. The tallest building in the U.S. outside of New York or Chicago is in Atlanta, Georgia. There's really only one true Peachtree Street, and you'll hear Peachtree, Peachtree, Peachtree. If you look on a map or do any kind of a Google search, you'll see that there is probably anywhere from 50 to 70 additional Peachtree drives lanes, avenues. So if you're getting directions and somebody tells you Peachtree, you might want to find out if it's Peachtree Street, Peachtree Lane, Peachtree Drive. Atlanta is also the fifth capital for the state. Capital has also been in Savannah, Augusta, Louisville, and Milledgeville. And the state capital is currently covered or gilded with 43 ounces of locally mined gold. And that gold comes from the mountain town of Dahlonega. Atlanta was also the only city in North America to be destroyed as an act of war. Of course, General Sherman's march to the sea. He burned it to the ground. Only 400 buildings survived. And that's why the city symbol is that of a phoenix. How do you get there from Central Florida? I would suggest driving. Surprising advice coming from somebody that typically takes about 45 flights a year. And a lot of those flights I do take into Atlanta. It's an easy drive, six hours, seven hours, and plus you're going to need a car, right? If you fly, be prepared because Hartsfield Jackson Atlanta International Airport is the busiest airport in the world with over 110 million passengers coming and going each year. If you do the math, that's about 300,000 people per day. And actually, the airport is interesting enough that I probably should do an episode about it at some point. Where do you want to stay right now? I would stay in downtown or midtown. And for the foreseeable future, I would do that. Rates are dirt cheap. And both of those are a great location. I mean, both both midtown and downtown is made for walking. There is an underground train, MARTA, that could usher you back and forth. And actually, MARTA will take you all the way up into Buckhead which is another cool place. We're not really going to talk about that much tonight. And there's plenty of stuff to do in Midtown or Downtown. It'll keep you busy for two or three days. I would ask for a high floor. Possibly you'll have a great view of the city. And Atlanta is also 
where I had the greatest hotel room ever. It was on the top floor of the Westin, which is the big round cylindrical building in the middle of downtown. And we had, I don't know if it was the presidential suite, it may have been called the imperial suite, but this room had two complete bedrooms, two kitchens, an office, sectionals, TVs. I think it had two or three doors. Actually, the bellhop that brought our luggage up had never even been in the room. He was about as impressed as we were. And how did I get that room? When we stayed there last year, it was for my wife's birthday. And on the comment section of the reservation, I put, it is my wife's birthday. So they upgraded us. So pretty cool. Nice to, nice of the, I think it, I think the Weston is a Marriott property or they're associated with it. And that's how I got the upgrade. Where to eat? Well, you know me, and this is going to be all over the road, especially with taste and especially with budget. Now, you can do all the internet recommendations, the internet favorites, places like Twisted Soul, Urban Licks, Seven Lamps, Manuel's Tavern, all great places. They will be good if they are not. You more than likely won't tell anybody because nobody ever says that those places are bad. But let's go with a Road Warrior food tour. And our first stop is the Varsity. Opened in 1928, the Varsity is billed as the world's largest drive-in. Over 600 parking spots. They will serve as many as 25,000 customers in a day. They go through 2,000 carryout boxes each day, 300 gallons of chili, 2,500 pounds of potatoes every day, and two miles of hot dogs. What do you have? And that's what you will hear when you walk in. What do you have? And they have a sign there that says, have your order in your mind and your money in the hand so we can get you to the game on time. And that's because right across the street or the interstate is Georgia Tech. The place is absolutely packed on a football Saturday. So what do you have? A couple chili dogs, get a chili cheeseburger, of course, an order of fries. We got to kind of increase that 2,500 pounds of potato number. If they still have it, get a PC, which stands for plain chocolate milk, and it's served over ice. Sounds kind of sketchy, but it's actually pretty good. They read an article a couple months ago that they were going to discontinue it. I have not been back to the varsity in probably six months, so I can't tell you for sure. And to finish all of that off, go with a fried peach pie. Now, the downtown location, and there's about three or four across the surrounding areas. This is the true one. This is the original one. The location is set up on multiple levels, has about 800 seats. And a lot of the rooms are what they call TV rooms. So there are TVs in the room set to a specific channel. Some of the rooms even have student desks. So I guess hopefully the college students can come across the street and study while they eat. My dad went to Georgia Tech for college and we would do a lot of father-son Saturday getaways for football. We'd go down there and grab lunch and then head over to the game. After leaving there, if you are still hungry, head to Fat Matt's Rib Shack. It's north of Midtown, still has an Atlanta address, so it counts. This is the kind of barbecue place that you will smell it long before you even pull into the parking lot. Do not mess around. Go with a full rack of ribs. Accompany it with either Brunswick stew or coleslaw and a bunch of napkins. Fat Matt's has a really good beer selection, so if you do and enjoy a nice cold one with your barbecue, don't pass it up. The Sundial, this is going to be the expensive one, folks, located atop the Westin Hotel, home of the world's greatest hotel room that I told you about. Restaurant sits right about 700 feet above the city. 
And due to all the windows and it being a cylindrical building, you have a view of the complete Atlanta skyline. In the past, the restaurant used to actually rotate. So the running joke was that you would get up, go to the bathroom, and come back and your table would be on the other side of the room. Unfortunately, they had a, a tragedy with the rotating restaurant and it no longer rotates. Classic restaurant service, the type of place that when you do get up to go to the bathroom, when you come back, some waiter will have come over and folded your napkin for you. What to eat, everything there is good. Fried green tomatoes, of course. It's Atlanta, it's the South. Try the barbecue brined pork chop. Don't pass up an old fashioned. They make it with Woodford Reserve and Luxardo cherries. And of course, for dessert, how about a bourbon bread pudding covered with homemade vanilla ice cream topped with a Woodford Reserve syrup as well. If you're still hungry, there's Mary Max Tea Room. This is a kind of in the between downtown Midtown. It opened in 1945, right after World War II. This is classically Southern, straight back wooden chairs, square tables, Walls are filled with photographs of the celebrities and politicians that have eaten there over the years. You get the idea. Start your meal with the pot liquors. If you don't know what that is, that is the juice left over from boiling your greens. And they combine that with some cornbread. Of course, southern fried chicken with white pepper gravy. Again, fried green tomatoes, this wonderful thick breaded crust on them. Of course, you got to have sweet tea. They also serve sweet milk or buttermilk, so if you're into that, they can certainly fill that need for you. And for dessert, the Georgia Peach Cobbler to finish out the meal. They even do serve a Georgia Peach Martini. Some great places that are gone, Daly's Restaurant Bar and City Grill. This was the home of my very first businessman lunch way back in 1990. This is the kind of place that people stopped in on to wait for the traffic to die down on their way back to the car because Atlanta traffic is a giant cup of suck. Everyday's Pizza was up in the Little Five Points area right outside Emory. Wonderful, wonderful pizza. It closed, I think, in 2013, 2014. This last one that's gone was in the downtown Macy's building, which is also now gone or repurposed. Don't remember the name of the place. But classic, classic uh, restaurant, think uh, Mad Men, Waiters in Black Vest, kind of place that you had a two or three, possibly four martini lunch. But unfortunately, all those places are gone. What to do? Underground in Atlanta is a place just like the Phoenix that has risen from the ashes multiple times. In the 20s, this was located in the viaduct area of the city, kind of the speakeasy prohibition part of town. And over the years, buildings were built up and around and over uh, the underground Atlanta area. In the 60s, it was revitalized for the first time. And really, its heydays was in the 70s. That was the place to be. It again cratered, reopened in the 80s. And then in 1990, really got a burst of energy when the World of Coke opened their museum right above it. During the 1996 Olympics, this was a huge place for Olympics type celebrations. My last visit there was 2015 and it had just become run down again. It was just the, the land of kiosks. Everybody had cell phone, uh, selling cell phone covers and cell phone cases and things like that. Currently it is closed. They're renovating it once again into some kind of a live here, work here environment. I hope it does well. It was a great place. They used to drop the Georgia peach there 
on New Year's Eve. Fun, fun place to gather, kind of on the south end of downtown. No first-time trip to Atlanta would be complete without a visit to the Trilogy, World of Coke, Georgia Aquarium, and the Centennial Olympic Park. Each one of these is worth a visit. Of course, the World of Coke, if you didn't know, Atlanta is their world headquarters. And it takes you through a visual timeline of the World of Coke or the, of the, the Coke story, where it came from, where it went. You get a sample of sodas from around the world. That's probably the biggest draw. Everybody will tell you to try the Beverly, which is probably the worst drink on the planet. But it is interesting to see what other people around the world think tastes pretty good. Right next door to that is the Georgia Aquarium. This could be worth more than one visit. There's a lot to do there. They've got the whale sharks. They got the penguins. They got the otters. Lots of exhibits. They've got a cold water quest. They've got Dolphin Coast. And they've even got webcams so you can watch from homes, things like sea lions, and of course the beluga whales, which everybody seems to get a kick out of. Both of these places are next door to each other, so if you go to one, you might as well go to both. You can actually buy a city pass ticket. It's probably 70, 80 bucks, but you get admission to the Georgia Aquarium and the World of Coke, and then plus you get to pick three more attractions to visit, like the zoo, the Fernbank Museum, the College Football Hall of Fame, or the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. Right outside World of Coke in the aquarium is the 22-acre Centennial Olympic Park. Really kind of a tribute to the Olympics. They were a huge big deal in 1996 for the city. And if you go to the park, you'll notice somewhere north of 400,000 bricks if you want to count them all. But the, the facility is paved with bricks that are engraved with uh, people's names and tributes to people. And it was part of the Adopt-A-Brick program that was started in 1994 in hopes of raising money to bring the Olympics to uh, to the Atlanta area. The website shows that the park is closed, so I don't know if they've got fences around everything or not. Uh, but definitely worth going to, or especially if you're uh, an Olympic aficionado, a really, really, really good time. Some of the lesser known things to do is the Jimmy Carter Presidential Museum and Library. This building is divided up into two or three sections. One is an exhibit space kind of showing you the timeline of Jimmy Carter. Of course, there's the actual library. And then there is a huge collection space or storage space for all of his photographs and his uh, videos and tapes. And I mean, this is all stuff that took place long before the internet, long before Twitter, long before um, Instagram or any of that. Also worthy of a visit is the MLK National Historic Park. You know, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I rarely weigh in on social issues. Right now, there's a bunch of people in this world that could benefit from a visit here. There's no fee double check i think it is kind of closed right now as well but double check very very powerful place you can go to ebenezer baptist church this is where uh, mlk's funeral was as his final send-off there's the behold monument there that commemorates uh, mlk's historic principles you can see his birth home there's a rose garden to visit the fire station number six which was an integral part of that movement at the time it will take you probably the better part of a day to, to see everything there, but it is really a powerful, powerful location. Then there are places that people really won't ever mention going to visit because they just don't think of it that way. One of those is the municipal market. 
This is in the Sweet Auburn area, just down the street from the MLK Historic Site. This opened in like 1918, 1990. It's an open-air market, vendors, butchers, uh, selling seafood. There's a full-service bakery, a cooking school. Great place to grab a, uh, a bite of food if you're still hungry, believe it or not, and probably has one of the most popular eateries of the city. If you're looking for a place to chill out, stop in at Piedmont Park. You'll get, if nothing else, a beautiful view of the Atlanta skyline. There's miles of paved paths suitable for walking, jogging. You'll see a lot of people on rollerblades or inline skates. There's picnic shelters. You can go fishing. Used to be that the Peachtree Road Race would end there. That was the finish line. This year, of course, they didn't have the road race. But really a cool kind of park in the middle of the city. I might lose my man card for this next one, but I admit I enjoy shopping, especially in a new town. My office decor has been inspired by things I brought back from travel. If you like to shop as well, check out the Ponce City Market. This is on Ponce Avenue, a little bit to the east of downtown Midtown. This location started out as the Sears catalog facility. It closed in the mid 80s and then reopened up as what they called City Hall East. City Hall East was one of my accounts when my first corporate job was at Minolta Business Systems supporting copiers. And in 1994, inside that building, there was this little old lady and she probably had worked for the city, I'm guessing at least 30 years, but she claimed that her copier would not print her copies on the correct size paper. Now, in 1994, this was cutting-edge technology. It used to be that if you were making a copy of a letter-sized document, you had to hit the letter-sized button. I know it's very nerdy, but that's kind of how it was. Well, in the 90s, they started using some detection sensors to measure the, the size of the paper when you put it on the glass. And so this lady was claiming that it would never work for her. So sent a couple technicians down. They all come back and report that everything's fine. Couldn't get it to fail. She calls back in a couple days later, same thing. So finally, I go down there, put a piece of paper on the glass, hit the button for print. Sure enough, it works. And so I do this a couple more times. So finally, I asked her, I said, do me a favor and show me what you're doing. Well, this lady was vertically challenged. She was short. And so what she would do is she would open up the document feeder on the copier just enough to slide the piece of paper underneath it and onto the glass and so she was never opening the document feeder all the way so it didn't it would never reset the sensor so the machine did not know what size paper to do again probably way more than you could ever wanted to know about photocopiers and how they work especially in 1994 but hey this is called travel stories that's one of my stories so back to the pont city market in 2014 It opened up as a retail spot, wonderful food court, and there's a handful of great stores there. Sugar Booze, which I believe there is one at Disney Springs. Actually, I know there's one at Disney Springs, but this eclectic mix of candles, motivational quotes, wine accessories. If you're a fan of crystals and incense, there's a stop called the Modern Mystic, and from their website, they say we're spiritual practitioners and ritualists of all races and orientations who walk our dogs and binge Netflix. It's all about balance, right? But kind of cool place if you like candles and crystals, a neat place. There's also West Elm, which is part of the whole Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma World Retail Domination Tour. 
You know the stuff's going to be good. Last holiday season, I found these two mid-century candle holders. West Elm wanted to call them uh, candle lanterns or wood lanterns. Bought those. Let's just say I was a hero, not a zero on Christmas morning. There's even more. There's still Zoo Atlanta, Stone Mountain, Six Flags, uh, Sweetwater Brewery. If you like beer, Sweetwater Brewery is a great place to wind down the day, have a bite to eat, enjoy or sample several flights of beers. There you have it. You know, Atlanta, food to destinations, there's something for almost everybody. If you have a favorite town, let me know. Leave me a voicemail, anchor.com. Shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. Each day, as I keep saying, we're getting closer to traveling safe. Until then, I'm sticking with stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again. Thank you.